Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. I was young when I realized the place I lived was special. I didn't realize it at first, since I had lived there my whole life. I thought it was normal for a city to not allow pets. I grew up never hearing the sounds of barking dogs or hissing cats. No one that lived inside the city border was allowed to have them. I thought it was normal for cities to have mandatory blood testing every week, with no explanation or seemingly any reason. I thought it was normal for cities to not have any jails. I thought it was normal for cities to give their citizens soulmates. I never really understood how it worked. All that we were told was that there were the matchmakers who were responsible for making the matches and sending out the tiny slips of paper that determined each citizen's love life and future. No one ever saw the matchmakers. No one knew how they were recruited. No one knew how they worked. All anyone knew was that it worked. Where I lived, there has never been a filing for divorce. The matchmakers are never wrong. Each citizen received their paper on their 18th birthday. Inside the piece of paper, there was nothing except a name. The name of your supposed soulmate. There was no telling how you would come across this person, no when or how. All anyone knew was that it would eventually happen. We were allowed to tell other people, allowed to ask around, try and seek out people that had the same name as the one on the paper, but it didn't matter. It couldn't be forced. Of course, literal eternal love and happiness does not come without rules. Every citizen had to follow the rules. They weren't too strange and seemed like a small price to pay for what you were getting in return. Most of the rules were simple. To name a few, there was no going outside under any circumstances after 2 a.m., no pets, blood tests, etc. There were also rules that we weren't allowed to know until we were older. We got the new rules on our 18th birthday, the same day we got our matchmaker paper. We called them slips. As I got older, I realized that our city was special and that other cities didn't have what we had. But I didn't care. Life was good. Life was simple. Our city was like a little paradise. It was happy. It was without issue. It was the night before my 18th birthday and I couldn't sleep. This was to be expected since knowing that the next morning you would know the name of your literal soulmate was enough to keep anyone up late. Usually I wouldn't have believed in such things like soulmates, especially as I got older, but it was hard to argue with evidence. My parents had gotten married in their late 20s and have stayed happily married ever since, both of their names matching what was on their slips. My older sister Caitlin got her slip last year, and though she's been through her fair share of failed relationships, she's currently in a happy one with some guy named Roger. I don't think I need to tell you the name that was on her slip. I wished Caitlin still lived with us. We used to share a room, but ever since she moved out, it feels empty with just me in it. By some miracle, I eventually fell asleep, my brain finally exhausted after hours of wondering what tomorrow was going to bring. I woke up the next morning, my arm groping for my alarm to turn it off, 
just like any other day. It wasn't until I sleepily sat up that I realized that today wasn't like any other day. I swung my legs out of bed, my heart pounding in my chest as I tried to compose myself. I wanted to pull on a shirt and shorts as fast as possible, rush to the kitchen to get the envelope I knew would be addressed to me. But I didn't. I didn't want to be one of those people whose entire lives suddenly revolved around trying to find their soulmate. I needed to be calm. Taking a few even breaths, I slowly put on a shirt and some basketball shorts before opening my door. Chatter and the smell of waffles hit my senses instantly as I stepped out of my room. Turning the corner, I stopped, grinning. Caitlin, I said, unable to contain my excitement at seeing her. Reaching her in a few short steps, I wrapped my arms around her in a hug, to which she enthusiastically returned. What are you doing here? I said, pulling myself away to look at her. Ma, you seriously thought I would miss your birthday? Get real. Matching my grin as she looked at me. Damn, you got tall, she said looking at me. He got it from his old man, my dad chimed in, and Caitlin rolled her eyes. Besides my height, I got a lot from my dad. I got his warm brown eyes, and I got his wavy, dirty blonde hair that I had always kept medium length. I looked so much like my dad that my mom always chimed in, saying how I got her nose and smile. Happy birthday, hein, my mom said from the counter, giving me a soft smile. These are almost done, and we'll go out for your birthday dinner later tonight, she said, gesturing at the waffles, and I smiled. Birthday waffles for the birthday boy, my dad chimed in putting an arm around my mom, and this simple movement made me remember something I forgot in the midst of the excitement. Is it... is it here? I asked them, trying to keep my voice even. My sister nodded, understanding what I was talking about. On the front table. My legs felt like rubber as I walked a few steps into the hallway, instantly seeing the stark white envelope on the table. I picked it up. Delivered to Theodore Schillings. I walked back to the kitchen, all eyes on me, as I turned the envelope over, trying to act calm, act normal. I opened the envelope, pulling out two pieces of paper. One of them I knew would be the new rules. The other one was my slip. I looked at the bigger paper first. To people or peoples registered as 18 years or older, the following rules will come into effect. One. Under no circumstances is anyone 18 years or older permitted in any city waters. This includes all local rivers within city limits. 2. Under no circumstances will anyone 18 years or older be allowed to watch the television on the 14th of every month. 3. Under no circumstances is anyone 18 years or older permitted to use faucets after 12 a.m. This includes sinks, bathtubs, and showers. 4. Under no circumstances is anyone 18 years or older permitted to use any kind of elevator after 9 p.m. 5. Under no circumstances is anyone 18 years or older permitted to share their rules with people or peoples under the age of 18. And that was it. I honestly expected more, but was relieved there wasn't too many there that I would have to memorize. They were weird, sure, but nothing that I wouldn't be able to do. After rereading the new rules, I put the paper down, heart hammering as I took my slip. Wanting to get it over with, I opened it, to which a single name was printed. Avery. 
I read and reread the name several times. Avery, Avery, Avery. I racked my brain for people I knew named Avery. There was a girl in my history class and maybe one who I had pre-calc with a few years ago. Before I could wonder further, Caitlin's voice cut me off. What's the name? She said, to which I handed it to her. It passed from her to my mother, then my father. Avery, nice name, my dad said, handing my slip back to me. Chatter resumed between my parents and Caitlin while my mind was whirring. Some things made more sense now, like why I never saw adults kayaking in the river like I saw them do in other cities. I had told myself for a long time that once I got my slip that I wouldn't focus too much on it, but my mind kept coming back to the name that was burned into my mind, Avery. I still had to go to school and got ready while Caitlin went out to reconnect with some high school friends. I ignored my texts, asking what the name on my slip was, preferring to have that conversation in person. My friends were waiting for me at the bus stop eagerly. There was Jennifer, who was usually pretty quiet, and who'd I known since preschool. There was Joseph, who was a bit of a daredevil and a jock, who I'd met during my freshman year. Lastly, there was Charles and Sophia, twins who were never separated and who I'd bonded with sophomore year over our love for horror movies. Looking at us as a group looked weird, but we worked and had fun with each other. I was bombarded with the same question as I got close to them. Whose name did you get? Avery, I said, the last time I had actually said the name. It sounded nice coming out of my mouth. It sounded right. My friends nodded, followed by a moment of silence that meant that they were all trying to think of Avery's that we knew. Isn't there a chick in your history class named Avery? Joseph offered, and I nodded. Yeah, I'm trying not to think too much about it. I don't want to become one of those people who become obsessed with it, I said, although the name was really all I could think about. My friends dropped it after that, all except Joseph. He would chime in every few minutes, rattling off girls that he knew, all with the name Avery. He was still talking about it as the bus came, and as we walked up to the school, he really didn't have an off button, which meant that I was left to try and tune him out nodding my head in agreement every few minutes. As the school day went on, I couldn't help but wonder if each Avery I came across was my soulmate. Somehow, though, none of the girls I came across felt right. Everything else aside, the school day went pretty smoothly. People wished me happy birthday in the halls, occasionally asking who I got on my slip. After school, I still had time before I had to head home and start working on homework. So as usual... I met outside with the school with my friends. The day had gotten progressively hotter as it went on, and by the time school was let out, it had reached the point of uncomfort. Most of my friends were already waiting for me, and as I got closer, they were already in conversation. Ball's hot, man. We should go claim a spot by the river before it gets too crowded, Joseph was saying, to which my other friends nodded in agreement. The river he was referring to was the biggest in the city, almost cutting it in half. It was a popular hangout spot, and my friends and I had been going there for ages. But now my throat felt tight. None of my friends had turned 18 yet, since I had an extra year of preschool when I was a kid. They didn't know the new rules. One of the rules says I wasn't allowed to tell them. Did that mean I also couldn't hint at it? Uh, um, I'm not sure if I'm feeling the river today, I said trying to sound as nonchalant as possible. Are you crazy? It's like 90 degrees out here. 
Jennifer said, raising her eyebrows. Not wanting to act suspicious, I decided that I would go. But I wouldn't go in, under any circumstances. Alright, let's go, but I can't stay long. I have my birthday dinner with Caitlin and my parents. I said to which Joseph pumped his fist. Relieved that none of them seemed to suspect anything, we set off towards the river. There were a couple of other families there, with kids playing in the shallow water and the parents sitting safely on the edge. I took a few even breaths to remind myself that I was fine, and that I would stay on the shore. Jennifer and Joseph were the first to the river, instantly pulling up their jeans and taking off their socks and shoes as they dipped them into the river, singing with the relief that the cool water provided from the hot weather. I desperately wanted to be in there with them, swimming in the river and enjoying the nice weather, but the rules were very clear. I sighed, sitting down a few feet away from the water, my legs out in front of me, watching as my friends splashed each other with the water. I just had to hold out until they had their birthdays, and then I wouldn't have to make excuses. I could handle a few more months. Oi! Come on, birthday boy, get in the water! Charles yelled, splashing water in my direction as he was ankle-deep in it, a few feet away from where it dropped off into deeper waters. I smiled, shaking my head as I had adjusted my legs to make myself more comfortable. Now I'll be the only one to drive you guys to the hospital when you get hyperthermia, I yelled back, to which I could see his eyes roll from here. Nah, we can't have that, Joseph called, waiting back to where I was. I command the birthday boy to get hyperthermia with the rest of us, Joseph said smirking as he approached me. I felt a trickle of unease as he approached me. I stood up to move away, but just then he swooped down and picked me up over his shoulder. Joseph played for the football team and I always admired his strength, but this was the first time I was afraid of it. Joseph, stop, put me down, I yelled, panic rising in my voice, struggling to escape his arms as he was carrying me to the water. My heart pounded wildly in my chest as a rising fear crept up in my throat. He outmatched me in size and strength and my struggles were fruitless. I'm serious, Joseph, put me the hell down, I yelled, to which he gave a little laugh. You're always so serious, Theo. Loosen up. Live a little, he replied. And I could see he was in the water now, wading further in. I looked at my friends, wide-eyed, but they were giggling like it was just a joke. They had no idea. As he got closer to the drop-off, I struggled harder, hitting him on the shoulders. I wasn't weak by any standards, but Joseph was built like an ox, almost all muscle. Fear closed my throat so tightly, I couldn't breathe. Come on, everyone in the water, he said, motioning with his head to my friends, who obliged, standing on the edge of the drop. All right, on three, we all jump in together. He put his hands on my waist, and I knew what was coming. One, two, he started, rocking back and forth. Joseph, stop, stop, I yelled, punching him harder, but it didn't make any difference. Three, I heard the splashes of my friends jumping in just as I was launched a few feet into the air. I didn't know what to expect. I shut my eyes tightly as images rapidly flashed through my mind. I saw myself at my ninth birthday party, saw myself applauding at Caitlin's graduation. Rapid images throughout my life flashed before me. Was my life flashing before my eyes? It felt like an eternity before I hit the water. Nothing could have prepared me for what happened next. I hit the water hard, the cold water stinging every part of my body. 
the wind knocked out of me, but since nothing else happened immediately, I thought, fleetingly, that I was fine. I was wrong. It felt like a giant vacuum was at the bottom of the river, sucking me towards it. I thrashed in the water, desperately trying anything to prevent myself from getting sucked deeper. I had been swimming in the deep part of the river before, and one summer my friends and I actually measured how deep it was, and I knew well enough that I was being pulled far beyond that. I was running out of air, and my panicked state wasn't helping the situation. Whatever was down there started to pull me faster, as if whatever it was could sense my desperation. My chest felt tight, as I could no longer hold my breath. My body started to go limp when suddenly, I was falling. I was no longer in water, and I took a gasp of breath, sputtering out the water that had managed to get in my mouth from my surprise. I was so relieved to be breathing again that it took me a minute to realize I was falling rapidly through the air. Darkness surrounded me, and through my confused, dazed state, I couldn't make out what was around me. A few seconds later, for the second time during the day, my body hit water again, a hard, once again I had the wind knocked out of me, and I could feel myself sinking. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I didn't have the energy to panic. My eyes closed. I didn't know what I was supposed to think about. I didn't want my last thoughts before death to be wasted. It was during these last thoughts that suddenly, something pulled me away from them. Literally. I could feel something grabbing the back of my shirt, pulling me upwards, towards the surface. Confusion swept me as a moment later, I felt myself being heaved out of the water and being roughly set down, on something hard, something solid. I gasped, coughing and sputtering as water dripped off of me. I shakily pushed myself onto my hands and knees, trying to get my breathing under control. My thoughts moving at the speed of light, I felt oddly lightheaded. My body drained and exhausted. I wanted to look around for my savior, but I couldn't. My vision had started to go black as my exhausted body finally collapsed. Someone was shaking me awake. My first fleeting thought that it was my mom, telling me I was going to be late for school. Then I remembered. It was just a dream, I told myself. Just a dream. You'll open your eyes and your mom's going to wish you a happy birthday, tell you you're going to be late for school. Someone shook me harder. I opened my eyes. It was not my mom. It was a boy who looked around my age with dark, messy hair, and he was looking at me with two dark blue concerned eyes who looked relieved as I opened my eyes. Good, you're awake. Come on, we need to move, he said quickly, looking behind him. Confusion clouded my mind. Who, who, who are you, and where am I? I said, trying to keep the fear out of my voice. The boy looked back at me. My name is Avery. I can explain everything later, but we really have to go. My breath caught in my throat. Avery. 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 Oh, shit. In school, we had learned about the five stages of grief. The stages come into effect whenever a person experiences something unpleasant. This can mean a variety of things, from losing a loved one or going through a traumatic experience. Your brain goes through these five stages to protect you, to help you cope. The first is shock and denial. People usually experience numbness, both physically and emotionally. It's typical for people in this stage to ask repeated questions. More often questions that they already know the answer to, but that their brain refuses to believe. 
I was no exception. The dark-haired boy was still speaking, although his words landed on deaf ears for the person he was trying to talk to was currently going through the first stage of grief. Your name is Avery? I interrupted, my voice quiet, but cutting as I pushed myself up into a sitting position, feeling uncomfortable lying on my back. The boy looked at me exasperated and annoyed as he realized that this was the only piece of information I gleaned from his words. Yes, my name is Avery. Did you get any of what I just said? He asked as his eyebrows furrowed, irritation leaking into his voice. An embarrassed flush crept up my face as I dropped my eyes. Er, some of it, I mumbled, my face so hot that I was sure he could see the heat radiating off of me. I could hear the small sigh that he made, followed by rustling. I took a chance and looked up, where I saw Avery rustling around in a black bag for something. Look, I know this is confusing. I'll explain everything later, but right now there's no time. We've already made too much noise, he said hurriedly, with another paranoid glance over his shoulder. Looking back, he finally removed two things from his bag. You're going to need this. Put it on he said, tossing one to me. I caught it, turning it over in my hands as confusion etched onto my face. It looked like a mask, but with no holes for the eyes or mouth or a strap on the back. It was stark black and weirdly smooth, made of a material I didn't recognize. What is this? I started to ask, but his voice cut me off. Do you trust me? He said suddenly, his dark blue eyes pressing into mine. I swallowed. Thoughts raced across my mind as I tried to sort through them. There was no time for logic. Not now. My dad had always told me to be logical and think with my head instead of my heart. I was trying so hard to listen to my head, but my heart was louder. Yes, I said quietly, so softly that I thought he wouldn't hear me. But the relieved expression that washed over his face told me that he did. Then please, put the damn thing on. Questions later. He said softly, some of the impatience leaving his voice. Without another word, I held my breath and put the mask-like thing up to my face. It was one of the oddest experiences I had ever felt. It felt like a suction cup attaching itself to my face. So tightly, it was as if the mask was merging with my face. The no holes for the eyes or mouth proved not to be an issue, since I got to breathe perfectly fine, almost as if it wasn't on at all. I looked up to see if Avery had his on, and when I looked up, I had to stifle a gasp. It was like his face had completely disappeared, a black oval where his face should have been. It was beyond unnerving, merely looking at it sending a chill throughout my body. Is that what it looked like on me? Ready? He asked, seeing I had put it on. Hearing him speak without his mouth was creeping me out, but I didn't say anything, and instead just nodded. He extended a hand out, seeing that I was still on the ground. I hesitated for only a fraction of a second before I took his hand, letting him pull me to my feet. As soon as my hand touched his, I felt a shot of warmth, startling me slightly, but leaving me as soon as he let go. Stay with me and stay quiet, he said softly, swinging his bag onto his back, turning to start walking. As I started to follow him, I looked up, and at last trying to get a picture of my surroundings to hopefully get some information to where the hell I was. I was not prepared for what I saw. It was the city. 
I tried to keep walking so as not to get too far behind Avery, but my eyes were glued to the sight in front of me. It couldn't be. Could it? My thoughts were racing, and to confirm I looked behind me. The body of water that Avery had just pulled me out of was the very same one that I had gotten thrown into in the first place. My heart was pounding as I looked around me. It was an exact replica of the city, but it was distorted. Every building was drained of color, almost everything in sight being a different shade of black or gray. On top of this, every few seconds something would glitch, like a lagging video game, like the holograms that were in movies. Something wasn't right. You could feel it everywhere you looked, a sickening sense of unease, of dread with every washed out, colorless building that we passed. I quickened my pace to get closer to Avery. I didn't know where we were going, since we were going into the west part of the city which I wasn't too familiar with. All my life I had everything I needed fairly close to where I lived, so there wasn't really any reason to explore. I know that Avery told me not to ask questions, but I wanted to know where we were going. If I was going to need anything to protect myself with, since the feeling that I was being watched hadn't gone away since I arrived in this messed up dystopia. I silently walked faster until I was next to him. Maybe it was the fact that I had my slip on my mind, but as I got closer I could feel my heart start thumping uncomfortably against my chest. Uh, uh, Avery? I asked softly, trying to keep my voice low. He glanced at me and I cringed as I remembered that we still had the black masks on. Yeah? He replied, matching my quiet voice. I know you said not to ask questions, but where are we going? I asked. He glanced around before lowering his head to speak. My place, where I lived before I came here. I have been using it as a sort of safe house. We don't have to keep our voices down there and I can explain everything. He said quickly and quietly. Just as he finished speaking, a loud thump came from in front of us, startling me as a black, distorted figure came out from a glitching convenience store. It looked like a man, but his face didn't have any features, his face looking oddly like the black ovals that our faces now resembled because of the masks. My heart stopped in my chest as Avery grabbed my arm to stop me from walking. Don't look at him, Avery whispered feverishly into my ear. He's lost. The distorted man had an uneven gait, almost limping. As he got closer, I could see that his black body was glitching like everything else in this messed up place. I quickly looked down as Avery instructed, trying to keep my breathing in control. I felt Avery's hand tighten on my arm as the thing got closer to us, and as it got closer, I could hear it mumbling incoherently. It continued to get closer, so close that I could feel its presence with every fiber of my being. It was beyond uncomfortable, but staying true to Avery's instructions, I didn't make a sound. The next few minutes felt like an eternity before Avery looked up and looked behind us, letting out a small sigh of relief as his grip loosened on my arm before letting go. Come on, we have to hurry, he mumbled, starting to walk again, faster than we were before. Neither of us said anything for a while. As we walked, I was left to my own thoughts as my brain was trying to make sense of everything that had happened to me. I thought about my family, an internal ache spreading through me as I tried to imagine what they would be feeling when I didn't come home. I stood on this for a while, before the surge of anger washed through me. 
This wasn't even my fault. Damn, Joseph was the one who thought I needed to live a little more. Who decided it would be a grand idea to chuck me into the river. Damn, Joseph. I forgot to mention that the second and third stages of grief are pain and anger. With all of these thoughts running around through my head, there was still one that I had refused to acknowledge. Getting a person of the same gender on your slip wasn't heard of, and actually happened pretty often. I just... Oh, unheard of. Getting a person of the same gender on your slip wasn't unheard of, and actually happened pretty often. I just... Never thought I would be one of those people. I suppose having matchmakers made us blind. With the promise of a soulmate, you never really had to think or worry about your sexuality or relationships. You knew that someone else was out there, figuring it out for you. It was uncomfortable to think about how people you've never even met know more about your own sexuality before you even do. Before you even had a chance to figure it out. I actually shook my head, trying to chase away these thoughts. It was ridiculous. I would know if I liked guys. Right? I didn't have time to dive deeper into these thoughts. We're here, a soft voice said, bringing me away from my thoughts. I looked up at where we were. It was one of those houses that was small and cramped, on a street where it seemed like the builders were trying to find out how many houses they could fit into it. It looked fairly normal, and I expect it would have uh, looked better if it had, you know, uh, color. Avery opened the door, beckoning me inside quickly, shutting the door behind us. I looked around, finding a surprisingly neat interior, with bookshelves and couches like any normal house would. Looking around, I was relieved to notice that nothing in here was glitching around like outside, even if it was still colorless. The only odd thing was that there was an empty space in the middle of the living room, like someone had taken away the table but left the couches. It's not the nicest, but it's home, Avery said, to which I turned to look at him. Before I could reply, he put a hand to his face, starting to peel his mask off from the bottom. We can take these off, but keep yours close by, he said, peeling his own off and setting it on the closest couch. I put my own hand in my face, fleetingly wondering if mine would come off, since it felt like it wasn't even there anymore. To my great relief, I was able to feel it and copied what Avery had done. Peeling it off from the bottom, which came off with surprising ease. I set it down on the table next to me, working up the courage to speak. I had opened my mouth to speak when Avery broke the silence first. So I guess you have a few questions, he said with a small sigh, still standing. I said nothing, instead nodding and gingerly sitting on the edge of the couch next to me. I don't even know where to start, he mumbled to himself eyebrows and knitting together as he started to pace. Courage bubbled up, making its way to my throat. How did you end up here? I asked, making him look up, his face relaxing as if he was relieved to have somewhere solid to start his explanation. Well, I broke a rule, he said with a sigh. I said nothing, fully prepared to not speak until he was done. The thirst for information, for an explanation, was too great. Luckily for me, Avery picked up on it, and he continued. It was the TV rule, the one where we can't watch on the 14th of every month. I was such an idiot, he said shaking his head as he resumed his pacing. I got pulled through. It happened so fast, I was sitting on that couch actually. He gestured to the one I was sitting on with a tight smile, 
I turned it on, and it was just static. I realized then what I had done. Before I could fix my mistake, something was coming out of it. Something solid. It grabbed my t-shirt and pulled me through into the TV, where I landed here. I thought nothing had happened since I was still in my house, until I realized that I wasn't. He said, his voice starting to get heavy. He paused, and he didn't need to say any more. It was perhaps a combination of sympathy or curiosity that was too overwhelming for me to stay quiet. What is this place? I asked quietly. Avery gave out a small sigh, coming around to sit on a chair opposite to where I was sitting. I don't know what to call it. As you saw, it's an exact replica of where we lived. I've explored and every detail as exactly as it is in the real world, but with obvious differences. He said before meeting my eyes, he seemed to know what questions I wanted to ask next. Ever wonder why we didn't have any jails? He asked softly. He didn't wait for my answer. I call them the lost ones. The people that get thrown in here, they lose themselves for a while. They turn into what you saw on the way here, altered versions of themselves, no identity, no remnants of their past selves. They are hostile, angered, and are capable of much more than you could ever imagine. I swallowed. This is the jail that we never had up there, made for the rule breakers and people who threaten their precious utopia. They get left here, left to waste away, to spend the rest of eternity here, he said bitterly. They're nightmares, beings of their worst possible selves that have no feelings, no nothing. They are fueled off of their worst qualities and are trapped in their own heads. This time, it was Avery that swallowed. As far as I can tell, they don't care who gets trapped here. Even the people who break rules by accident. Although the actual criminals they deliver personally down here, he said with a sigh. The weight of the situation was pressing on me, so hard that I was having a hard time breathing. There has to be a way out, right? I asked breathlessly. To my immense relief, Avery nodded. There is, but it takes two people. I can't tell you how long I've been waiting for someone down here, he said softly. I felt a pang of sympathy. How long have you been down here? I asked, and he shrugged. A couple months, maybe. There's no way to tell down here. I tried keeping track by writing on the walls, but they would just disappear the next day, he said with a sigh. How do we get out of here? I asked, my voice gaining confidence the longer I spent in his presence. The same way that they got the criminals in here. It's at the center of the city and looks like an archway. The door they use is password protected, but I've been watching whenever they bring someone new down here, and I know it. The only problem is, it seems to be a popular hangout spot for the people who are lost, he said heavily. The mask that I had you put on are to blend in with them, but it only goes so far, and only really works when there's a few of them around. I didn't want to ask how he managed to get those masks. There is a way to kill them, but they still outnumber me, which is why I needed a second person. You don't need to eat or drink down here, but you can still get hurt, he said, lifting his sleeve to reveal two long, deep gashes that were in the process of healing. I suppressed a shiver. This new information spun around my head. I felt slightly sick. I knew then that I couldn't stay here. I needed to get out. I couldn't let myself become lost. I'll do it. Whatever it takes, I don't care, I'll help, I said, breaking the silence. 
my voice confident. Avery looked up at me with an expression I couldn't place. It looked like newfound respect, like he was just noticing me for the first time. He studied me for a moment before nodding. I'll keep you safe. I won't let anything happen to you. I thought of making a smart-ass reply, but he seemed so genuine about it that I kept my mouth shut. It was then, sitting there with no immediate danger nearby, that I started to feel the weight of the day starting to press in around me. I tried to cover up a yawn with my hand, but Avery caught it. He stood up, running a hand through his hair. Damn it. Sorry. You must be exhausted. I wasn't even thinking about that. I've been sleeping down here, he said, gesturing to the empty space in the room. But I can make a place to sleep upstairs if you... I don't. I interrupted suddenly, to which Avery raised his eyebrows. I felt a hot flush rising in my cheeks as I continued. I mean... If it's, if it's okay, I'd feel more comfortable staying down here, I said, quietly averting my eyes. There was a pause, which was enough for me to feel greatly embarrassed by my words. He doesn't want you down here, idiot. He doesn't even know you. He doesn't... Sure. If it makes you more comfortable, I'm more than happy to set up a space here for you, he said finally, giving me a small smile. I'll be right back. Holler if you need anything, he said, turning to leave, before stopping as if remembering something. Um, I never, I never got your name, forgot to ask, he said sheepishly, stumbling slightly over his words, and seemingly having a hard time meeting my eyes. My heart seemed to stop, just as my mind started to race. Charles, I said suddenly, the name and the lie slipping out easily. I'm not sure if it was just my imagination, but Avery looked slightly crestfallen. It must have been, because the next second the look disappeared and he gave me another small smile. Pleasure to meet you, Charles. As soon as he left the room, I slumped down on the couch, putting my head in my hands. Why had I lied? I knew the answer. It was really just a matter of wanting to answer it. I could say that it was because I didn't trust Avery, but that wasn't the truth. There were so many different kinds of confusion, so many different kinds of pain. I was tired of being the one who felt it all. I was just tired in general. It was disorienting to have your entire life flipped upside down in a matter of moments. Everything that you thought you knew to be untrue, or covered with layers of deception to keep people in a mindless bliss. I suppose that even though people could feel certainty, it was an emotion, not a fact. My thoughts kept me busy until Avery came back, arms laden with blankets and pillows. He set them down in the empty space, starting to arrange them. Do you need help? I asked, wanting to feel at least a little useful. He shook his head as he straightened up. I'm just about done. Is this enough? I, I can get more stuff if you want, he said looking up at me the genuine interest and caring in his eyes startling me. I shook my head, giving a tight smile. It's great, really. Thank you, I said, crossing over to where it was. It looked like two bedspreads placed slightly far apart but still within the empty space. I chose the one on the right. I have to get some stuff ready for tomorrow, but I'll just be in the next room. I'll come to sleep in a while. Just give me a call if you need anything, all right? He said, and I nodded. Exhaustion was quickly catching up to me, and I tried to get myself comfortable in the spread of blankets and pillows. Just as Avery was about to leave the room, I spoke. I don't usually do this, 
But if I start snoring, I give you complete permission to smack me. I said this quietly, but based on the way he stopped and turned back around, I knew Avery had heard me. Noted, he said, but there was something different about his voice. As I looked at him, I saw that he was smiling. Not a tight smile, or a small one, but an actual genuine smile that made my entire body feel warm. It was perhaps the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. I had never been a lucid dreamer. I had heard about it, and even studied it a bit at school, so I knew how to recognize it. Lucid dreaming is a dream in which your body knows that you're dreaming and gives you the steering wheel for a bit, allowing you to be conscious and awake while dreaming. I was currently experiencing this strange phenomenon. I wasn't entirely sure where I was. I knew I was dreaming, however, since I was fairly confident that in order to be walking, you had to be walking on something solid. I appeared to be walking on water. Looking around, everything was black. It looked like I was standing on a lake, but the water stretched on as far as I could see. The water rippled underneath my feet with every step I took, and looking down, I couldn't see the bottom of whatever kind of water I was standing on, just more darkness. I wasn't sure how long I stood there until I saw a figure in the distance. I squinted, waiting for it to come closer. When it got closer, however, my body seized with panic. It was the man from the convenience store, the one without a face, the one that Avery said was lost. I turned to run, but I couldn't. Dread and fear was washing over me as I desperately tried to get to my feet to move. The man was getting closer. My feet seemed glued to the surface. The screams I meant to yell died in my throat as I saw the man, now only a few feet from me, as my screams were silenced by the paralyzing fear that rendered me immobile. Instead of the muttering I had heard from him earlier, he was eerily silent. The only sound I could hear was my own heartbeat, hammering against my chest. Suddenly, the man's face started to change. Instead of a black oval, white lines started to form near the bottom, and after a few moments I realized that it was a, making a manic, demented smile. I came closer, its unnaturally long fingers closing on my shirt and pulling me closer. Its other hand drew back, transforming into something that I couldn't name, I couldn't place, but looked very, very sharp. I only had a second to look at it before it plunged into my stomach, letting loose pain I had never felt in my life. Among the screams and yells I had been holding in my throat, it felt as if every fiber of my being, every atom, was being ripped apart. My eyes were wide with shock as the smile remained on the man's face. I couldn't talk. I couldn't breathe. Looking down, I saw a bloom of red starting to quickly spread throughout my shirt, so much more vibrant in contrast to the blank, colorless surroundings. I woke up, gasping and shaking, a hand clutching my stomach as if the pain was real. It felt so real. I felt arms close around me a moment later, pulling me against something hard. A chest. Avery's arms. Avery's chest. Holding me keeping me safe. I heard his voice soft in my ear. You're okay, you're okay, he mumbled, holding me tighter. Every emotion I had been holding in since I got to this damn place, I let loose. Dry sobs racked my body as a flurry of fear, pain, and confusion, along with others, flooded me. I, I saw him, I said quietly, tears streaming down my face. I know, 
I know you did. It's okay. You're okay, Avery said softly, pulling me tighter against him. I didn't care. I didn't care anymore. I let myself turn towards him, blankets twisted around me as I buried my face in his chest, letting my tears soak his shirt as he held me. I can't tell you how long he held me, with my face buried in his chest, with him not caring that his shirt was getting soaked, holding me tighter every time a fresh wave of emotion swept through me. It felt like hours before the pain from my dream subsided, before my body was no longer shaking. It felt like hours, and during them, Avery had never let go of me. It would have been mostly okay if one of us had just let go, if we didn't stay there, holding part of each other long after the danger, no matter how real, had passed. My thoughts had finally slowed. I had skipped the past two steps of the stages of grief. I had skipped the anger and bargaining. My body just didn't have enough energy left to do it. The only thing I felt sitting there against Avery was safety, comfort. Two things that I hadn't experienced since the moment I had arrived here. I could hear his heartbeat, a soothing rhythmic sound that was more relaxing than I can explain. Sitting there with him felt right. It was the feeling that I had never felt looking at any girls in my class, that I had never felt looking at any girl. It felt like hours before I had spoke again, my voice had dull, like someone had run a knife over it. Avery? I asked softly. Yeah? I never said thank you. Thank you for what? He asked, his voice soft against my ear. For saving me. I would have drowned, I replied. I didn't need to explain further for him to understand what I was talking about. You don't have to thank me for that. I know if you saw me hurtling out of the sky into a river, you would have done the same, he said, and this time, I could hear the smile in his voice. I smiled a tired but genuine smile. True, I wanted to say thank you anyway. Well then, you're, you're welcome, anyway. I laughed, but it came off more of a huff. There really should be a word for a laugh that ends as soon as it starts. I didn't want to leave the position that we were in. But I wanted to spend more time with Avery somewhere where we weren't in danger of becoming lost. Or, you know, stabbed. Avery? I asked again. Yes? I want to go home. I said quietly. There was a pause. Let's go home then. What I assumed was the next few days were spent going over the plan. Or what I assumed was a few days since. No time cycle. Avery drew up the city center and where the lost one congregated the most heavily. He gave and showed me how to use the weapons that could kill them. These are the weapons that I found near the door. The people that come down here have a stash. This is an ontological gun, he said, handing me what looked like a regular handgun. He explained before I could ask. I know it looks like a regular gun, because it is. The only difference is how you think about it. I don't need to tell you that this place is weird and that regular, logical rules don't apply. If you shoot this at them, they simply cease to exist. They go away, but only if you believe it to be true. At my confused expression, he tried again. It sounds really, really stupid, but it works. If you believe that you can make them cease to exist by shooting this at them, it'll work. His navy eyes pressed into mine, silently pleading for me to trust him. I did. Nodding, I took it from him. I didn't know how the hell that this was supposed to work, but I trusted him. Something had happened after my dream, 
after we had stayed interlocked for who knows how long. Something unspoken. He no longer felt like a stranger, or just a person who shared the same name that was on my slip. It felt like I had known him my whole life. Along with planning and preparing, Avery had opened up greatly, letting me see more into his life, both past and present. It was comforting knowing that we were both more comfortable conversing with each other, often teasing and cracking jokes, something that seemed impossible while we were stuck in this hellhole. I let myself notice things about him, how his mouth twisted to the side when he was deciding to laugh at something, how when he smiled, you could see that he had dimples, or when he was thinking about something, he tapped his fingers lightly against the surface. Being around him just filled me with such warmth that it made it harder when I tried to work out how I was going to tell him that I lied about my name. I tried not to think about it. The night before we were going to put our plan in action, neither of us could sleep. At first it was disorienting going to sleep without any sleep-wake cycle, but I got used to it, just going to bed whenever I felt tired. I lay next to Avery, who I could tell wasn't asleep either. Avery? Charles? He replied which I internally cringed. Are you nervous? I asked quietly. There was a pause. A bit. Do you want to push it another day to go over it again? He said finally, to which I shook my head, sitting up slightly to look at him. No, I, I just would feel a bit more comfortable if I knew how the guns worked, I said, a small smile tugging on my lips. Avery rolled his eyes. If you had played Destiny, I wouldn't have to explain. It's pure theory, and I and I don't know how they developed it, but it works. All right, nerd, I trust you. I said sitting back, grinning as a pillow hit me in the chest. I paused, looking over at him. I don't know about you, but I'm going to get the hell away from this city as soon as I can when we get out. I've had enough of this nonsense for a lifetime, I said, watching as Avery propped himself up on his pillows. Me too. I'll keep in touch with my parents and everything, but it's been ruined. The image I had of the place I grew up in has just been completely ruined. I don't think I can stay here and be happy, he said, and I nodded. At least we got our slips first, I joked, but to my surprise, Avery blushed, looking down at the ground. I don't know, I think, I think it's a bit of crap. I used to think it was real, but now, I mean, he said, tripping over his words, still avoiding my eyes. They can't control chemistry. They can't control who you feel safe and uncomfortable around, he said, his voice getting quieter. It was so out of character that I couldn't find my own voice to speak. Was he saying what I thought he was saying? Avery shook his head, as if to shake off these thoughts. I'm not making sense. We should probably get to bed, big day and all that. He mumbled, laying back down. I nodded, laying down as well, closing my eyes my mind racing. Someone was shaking me awake. I reluctantly opened my eyes where I could see Avery shaking my shoulder gently, stopping when he saw I was awake and giving me a small smile. Morning. We should get going. This is the most ideal time if we want to do this today. I nodded, pushing myself up. We spent the next little while getting ready, neither of us mentioning the conversation we had yesterday. I had gotten used to being in the house and in a weird way, I was going to miss it. I was going to miss a lot of things. When we were both armed with the weird guns and had our masks on, we set off for the center of the city. It's time to get the hell out of here. 
We avoided entire streets whenever we saw a lost one, not wanting to create any unnecessary attention. After a while of walking, I saw what Avery was talking about. The city center was where we had our summer farmer's market, events, and concerts. It looked the same, the only difference being the short archway was a stark red door. It caught me off guard, since the only things in color that I had seen were Avery and I, but the door was blood red, and next to it, a keypad. The archway was a good ways away from where we were, and already I saw lost ones milling around, the same unclear mumbling filling the silence. Remember, we're going to try to get as far as we can without using the guns, but if they notice us, then start shooting. Avery mumbled into my ear. I nodded. I could hear my heart pounding in my ears as we started to walk. We kept our heads straight, only focused on the door in front of us. As we walked a few meters, we realized that we greatly overestimated the amount of time we had before they noticed us. It was just like in my dream, their black faces starting to develop white lines. I didn't want to wait to see if they turned into the demented, troubled smiles. I pulled out the gun Avery had given to me, praying to whatever higher power there was to let this work. I concentrated, imagining the one directly in front of me disappearing when the bullet made contact. It was advancing, and I could already hear the loud cracks of Avery's gun behind me. It was running now, full speed at me, its mumbling getting louder. I raised the gun, my heart pounding, a few feet away its mouth stretching into a wide grin. Charles! I fired, my eyes closing for a split second. I braced myself for the pain I knew was coming, but none came. Opening my eyes, there was nothing but a scattering of dust at my feet. Relief flooded through me as I could have laughed. It worked. It worked. It worked. Looking around, they were coming from behind buildings, out of windows. Filled with renewed hope and confidence, I started firing off rounds, truly believing with each shot. Adrenaline was rushing through me as the cracks of our guns filled the heavy silence only being outmatched by the progressively louder mumbling made by advancing lost ones. It was tight, but Avery was right. With the two of us, we were overpowering them, dust going up every few seconds. It felt oddly like a video game, wave after wave coming until eventually they stopped and there were only a few left. I had just reached my peak of confidence when I heard a scream. Turning around, my heart stopped in my chest. Avery was being dragged by the foot, a lost one's long, sharp fingers digging into his ankle, his gun laying a few feet away. I didn't have time to think or react, sprinting towards them as I pointed my gun, hoping desperately I wouldn't hit him. I wouldn't be able to aim properly while I was running. I stopped, trying to level the gun, trying to stop my hand from shaking. I took a breath and fired. The cloud of dust that replaced the thin, black body was probably the most beautiful thing I had seen in my life. I sprinted over where Avery was wincing horribly as he tried to turn himself around. Avery heard me coming and when he looked up, he wasn't looking at me. No, 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 Charles, Charles behind you, he yelled, the panic clear in his voice. Stopping and turning around, my heart seemed to stop for the second time. It was the man from the convenience store, the one from my dream. It looked like he was the only one left. You can do this, I thought to myself. I raised my gun, firing at him right in the chest. The bullet passed through like an ordinary bullet. Panic was rapidly flowing through me now as the man came closer. 
I tried to move, but my feet felt glued to the ground. Oh no, 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 not again. I could hear Avery behind me calling my name. The man was slowly advancing, knowing that I wasn't going anywhere. The white lines appeared on his face. My voice felt stuck in my throat. His arm was pulling back, turning into the... the, the thing from my dream. Avery's calls got louder. The man was a few feet away. Grabbing the front of my shirt, the white lines transformed into a smile. The corners of its mouth stretched wide. To either corner of its face, as drawn-on teeth appeared. I knew what was going to happen next. The pain was unbearable. I was certain I was being ripped apart, being set on fire from the very depths of my body. White hot pain clouded my vision, so badly that I didn't even notice when it was over. I didn't notice the puff of dust appear in front of me, the loud crack that went with it. I didn't feel it when I sank to my knees, feeling something hot and wet spread throughout my shirt. It took me a minute to notice the hands, grabbing at my shoulders and tipping me back. It took me a minute to notice the tears slipping down Avery's face as he bent over me. No, 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 Charles. Charles, st stay with me, please. Avery whispered, silent sobs racking his chest as he started to rip at the bottom of his shirt, pulling away a piece of fabric to press on my stomach, his other arm cradling my head. I can't, I can't lose you, Charles, he whispered his shoulders shaking. That's not, I whispered. Avery's eyes flashed to mine briefly as he started to rip off another piece of fabric. What? My name. It, it's not. It's not Charles, I said softly. What are you talking about? He asked, tears streaming silently down his face as he desperately tried to control the bleeding. I, I lied. My name is Theodore. I wanted you to like me for, for who I was, not because my name might be on your slip. I whispered, exhaustion and coldness starting to seep into my body. I saw realization pass through Avery's eyes, saw him putting the pieces together. You, 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 I don't, I don't care. Please, I can't lose you. We'll get you back to the house. We'll patch you up. Just please, please don't go, he said, his voice breaking on the last sentence. You've come too far. The door's right there and more lost ones will be back. Just go, I said softly. Screw that, I'm not leaving you here, he said sharply, looking over me, seeming to make a decision. He slid his arms under me, lifting me up and holding me like a little kid, being careful not to touch my stomach, where the red stain was getting progressively wetter. He carried me over to the keypad, his hands shaking as he put in the numbers. Ready? he asked softly. I didn't have the energy to do anything but nod. He put in the last number, and the door swung open. I winced as white light flooded my vision, and as I felt Avery step through. My eyes closed as warmth spread through me, and I let myself drift out of consciousness. I could hear footsteps around me, people talking in low voices. My eyelids fluttered open. Ah, Mr. Shillings, we've been expecting you. I believe that I am correct in thinking that it is a well-known fact that people by nature are curious. Curiosity has fueled many of the greatest inventions of time, such things being electricity or the wheel. Of course, it does not take anything, no great genius, to be curious. In fact, thanks to modern technology, everyone who becomes curious is able to fuel that curiosity, have it satisfied in mere seconds. 
Back in middle school, I remember being curious about something. I was curious to see how many variations there were of the word confusion. As it turned out, there were many. I won't bore you with all the variations there were, since if you are curious, you could simply look it up yourself. However, I will share a particular one that I liked. My favorite variation, or synonym for the word confused, was disoriented. By definition, being disoriented means that a person is thoroughly confused as to a time or place. They are out of touch with their surroundings. They have lost their sense of direction. They are unable to think clearly. Their surroundings creating mixed feelings, emotions, thoughts. Oddly, all of this was going through my head as my brain tried to register the words that I had just heard. Ah, uh, Mr. Shillings, we've been expecting you. Disoriented, my eyes slowly opened. I winced as harsh white light shone down on me. It only took a moment for my eyes to adjust, and when they did, my throat dropped into my stomach. Standing above me was a man. Despite my disoriented state, I tried to quickly take him in. He looked old, with white receding hair and a white, neat beard. He was wearing all white, to his button-up shirt, to his pants, his coat, to even his tie. He was staring at me, a small smile on his face, trying to gauge my reaction as I could hear other people bustling around behind me. What the actual hell was happening? Stay calm, I told myself. You're not in danger. If they wanted to kill you, they would have by now. I tried to reason. The man was still staring at me, and I was too afraid to break eye contact with him. Too afraid to look around. From what I could see out of my peripheral vision, the room was stark white and filled with what looked like hospital equipment. The man was still staring at me. Maybe he wouldn't speak until I would? You... you've been expecting me? I asked, trying to keep the fear, the apprehension out of my voice. The man smiled wider, reaching next to him for something. A clipboard. Oh yes, we've been expecting you for a while. I know you must have a f quite a few questions, but don't worry. All of them will be answered in due time. He said, giving a small laugh. I was beyond unnerved. His laugh was too high, too long for it to seem natural. I desperately wanted him to stop smiling. I finally worked up the courage to avert my eyes, to try and take in my surroundings. It did look like a hospital room, but the equipment was different, unlike anything I had ever seen. What looked like nurses were milling about with clipboards, all dressed in white. Everything in the room was white, which is why it caught me off guard when my eyes fell onto the blood-red door on the far side of the room. The same door that Avery and I had just come through. Avery. Avery, Avery. Avery wasn't in the room. I bolted upright. Relieved to find I wasn't tied down, which honestly was a thought that crossed my mind. I looked around once, twice, and a third time. Avery wasn't in here. I looked at the man, for the first time since my arrival here, feeling angry. Where's Avery? I demanded, my voice stronger than it had been a minute ago. The man simply looked at me, that creepy smile still plastered on his face. Mr. Anderson is quite fine. However, I will ask that you don't make any sudden movements. You will disrupt your healing process. Healing process? Damn. How could I have forgotten? I looked down, lifting my blood-stained shirt up, the shake in my hands noticeable. How is this possible? 
The spot where I had been, well, impaled, showed nothing except a long scar. I ran my fingers over it gently, the indent noticeable, but nothing else. I looked up quickly to which the man put his hand up. Questions will be answered. How about we take a walk? Take a walk? Was he serious? A small nagging voice in my head told me that it probably wasn't the best idea to refuse him, especially since he made it sound like it wasn't really a question where my answer mattered. But I didn't care. No, I said forcefully, renewed confidence flowing through me. I want to see Avery. I said, my voice slow and measured, laced with anger, with stubbornness. For the first time since I had seen him, the man's smile flickered, annoyance and impatience crossing his face. Clipboard still in hand, he started to cross to the other side of the room, where a keypad was attached to the wall. The wall was entirely made up of those clouded glass panes, the ones they put on houses for privacy. I slowly pushed myself off the bed, following him, trying not to look at the other people in the room. The man stood in front of it, slowly putting in a password. I wasn't sure if I wanted to get closer. Was he going to let me see Avery? Or was this some kind of a prison cell to throw me into for not doing what he asked? The man's back was turned, and that's when I saw something on the table. It was Avery's gun, the one he used to kill the lost ones. Now, of course, it was only a regular gun. I made a decision quickly, silently reaching out and taking it, stuffing it into the back waistband of my jeans, before quickly hurrying over to where the man was, praying he didn't notice anything, or the nurses. A few seconds passed and no one said anything. No sirens sounded. I breathed a silent sigh of relief. As the man finished putting in the password, the clouded glass started to get clearer. The man silently moved to the side to let me see. I slowly walked forward and had just reached the glass as it finally became clear and I could see into it. My voice seemed stuck in my throat. It was a dark room, smaller than the one we were in, with more of the equipment that I didn't recognize. The room was bare of furniture besides a bed, which was being occupied by Avery. His eyes were closed, a mask covering, and attached his mouth that was attached to one of the machines next to him. One of his ankles was bandaged, from where the lost ones had got him. He wasn't moving. My brain didn't want to accept what I was seeing. It was refusing to deal with the wave of emotions that had started to rise up, invading my thoughts. I is he? I choked out, my eyes not leaving him. He's fine, the man said. Turning to face him, I saw that he was still smiling. I wanted to hit him. He is sleeping. I would be more than happy to explain things to you. Would you care to take a walk? He asked, his smile unwavering. I didn't trust him. I didn't trust whatever this place was, whoever was here. The only person I trusted right now was Avery, but I couldn't get to him. I'd have to fix that. You just have to be patient, I told myself. Wait for the right opportunity. Then you can get him and find a way out of here. I made a decision. I'd have to play along for a little bit. Looking at the man, I plastered on a smile to match his. I'd love to, I said smiling. The man beamed. I had never been good in pressured situations, or lying for that matter. However, it was the thought of Avery lying motionless in that bed that allowed me to fall into step next to the man, to smile like everything was normal, 
It was the sight of Avery lying in the bed that made my nerves settle enough for me to pay attention to potential exits as we walked, trying to draw a mental map of the place. After all he had done for me, I owed it to him to find a way to get us out of here. So, I imagine you have a few questions, the man said, leading us out of the room and down a long, narrow hallway. I tried not to wince with each step because of my stomach, but it was a hell of a lot better than the alternative. You can say that, I replied. The man chuckled. I'll try to answer your questions to the best of my ability. What would you like to know first? I was trying to focus on finding a way out of here, but I also had questions. So many questions. I took a breath. What did you mean when you said that you'd been expecting me? Where even am I? I asked, the words tumbling out of my mouth. We turned right around a corner. Well, I'll try to keep it simple. The fact of the matter is, Theodore, is that you have what it takes to be a matchmaker, he said, a small smile resting on his face as he glanced at me. Internally, I froze. However, I tried to keep my feet moving. What? What are you talking about? I asked, bewildered. Again, I'll try to keep it simple, but keep in mind the real answer is quite complex. The man said as we turned another corner. Left. Each citizen born within city grounds has the ability to carry a gene. One of the ones needed for the ability to possess the powers needed for a matchmaker. Sometimes people don't exhibit the abilities when they are born, or at all, even if they have the gene that carries the ability. It is because of that that citizens are required to have blood work done so that we can know who is carrying the gene. He said, his voice starting to sound flat, monotone. We use the blood work to identify the people so that later we can seek them out and begin training them to unlock the potential given to them. These people serve as the matchmakers, the leaders of the city, he said, this time giving me a meaningful glance. We are... We were planning to seek you out after realizing that you carried this gene. However, we hit a little snag when you broke one of the rules, and most unfortunately got transported to below. He said with a small sigh, but still smiling. Luckily, you seem to manage just fine. Not without a few bumps along the way, of course. He said with a laugh, motioning to my stomach. A sickening sense of unease was starting to wash over me. Something wasn't right with the way he was talking. The way he was laughing. The fact that he wouldn't stop smiling. So you know what happens to the people you throw in there? The people that get down there by accident? I asked, trying to sound innocent. But I couldn't help the anger that was sneaking into my voice. Luckily for me, however, the man didn't seem to notice. Well, of course. The people that we put down there are a danger to our society. There are risks. And here, we don't take risks. Any citizen that doesn't follow the rules provided in my own opinion is just as bad as people that get put there. We have rules in place for a reason, to protect the citizens. They are not for laughs or for fun. Anyone who does not take that seriously has no place in our community, he said with a smile. I would have given anything right then to have hit him as hard as I could. I needed to change the subject. I couldn't let my emotions get the better of me, not when so much was at risk. We took another right turn. It was this turn that made me realize that I hadn't seen another person anywhere since we left the room that we were in. I just added it to the growing list of reasons I needed to get me and Avery out of here. How did you heal me? I asked quietly. State of the art technology, the man said loudly, 
his words echoing off the walls, startling me slightly. The hell? We have perfected almost all things, including health and safety. Our state-of-the-art technology allows for healing and recovery unmatched by anyone else. Injuries such as yours can be healed completely in a matter of hours, he said, his smile growing even wider than it had been before. It sounded like he was reading from a pamphlet. We turned another corner, this time to face a dead end where we were greeted by a handsome set of mahogany doors. I opened my mouth to ask another question, but the man held his hand up. Unfortunately, I cannot provide you with any more information. You are to wait here until a matchmaker comes to start with you on your training and give you a more detailed explanation. He said, moving to push the door open. My mind spun, panic seizing my throat. Wait, what? I haven't agreed to anything. My parents will be looking for me and my friends. They'll notice I'm gone. I said, my words trailing off as the man shook his head, smiling. No need to worry. Your family and friends' memories will be modified. Of course, however, the choice to become a matchmaker is up to you. It is, of course, the highest honor. You will have everything you have ever desired and dreamed about. Your life will be perfect, he said. I won't pretend that I didn't think about it, and I'm ashamed to admit that I considered it, even for a second. A perfect life? Everything taken care for me? The ability to set people up with love, set them up with happiness? A perfect life. I paused, something rising up, blocking these intruding thoughts. What about Avery? I asked softly. The man smiled, shaking his head. He is no longer your concern. I thought of Avery. I thought of the mask over his mouth, his unmoving body. I thought of his smile, his laugh, the way he held me, protected me. The warmth that filled me whenever he touched me. The way he looked at me when he thought I didn't notice. He had the chance to leave me behind. To leave me to the lost ones. He could have let me drown. Let me fend for myself. The door was right in front of me. Once I went in that room, I wouldn't have to worry about anything ever again. A wave of certainty slowly washed over me. Avery's gun felt heavy in my waistband. The man looked at me. A smile still plastered on his face. I could hear my heartbeat thundering in my ears. Go to hell, I said softly. A flicker of confusion passed over the man's face. Sorry? I reached behind me, my hand closing around the handle as I pulled it out, clicking the safety off as I leveled it at the man. For the first time since I saw him, the man's smile fell. I said, go to hell. I snarled my finger closing around the trigger. Somewhere in my head before I even pulled out the gun, I knew there wouldn't be any blood. I was correct. Sparks flew as the man stumbled back against the wall, smoke starting to come out of the place in his chest where I had shot him. Wires of all colors visible through the hole. The man's eyes open with shock and unblinking as he slid to the floor, his head jerking a few times before he lay, unmoving. A second later, sirens began to sound as the lights everywhere turned red. I turned and started to run. My mind was reeling as I desperately tried to remember which way we came, all other thoughts being pushed aside. I didn't know how many bullets were left in the gun, and I didn't stop to check. Left. Right. Straight down this hallway. Another left? I was sprinting as fast as I could, my sneakers squeaking against the white tile floors. Above me, the noise was thunderous and sounded like people were running. I tried to run faster. Avery, 
I thought to myself, you have to get Avery. I turned left again and knew I had gone the right way. I burst into the room I had come from, the room now empty, no nurses or anyone in sight. I ran towards the glass wall where Avery lay on the other side. I'm coming, I said softly, knowing that he couldn't hear me. I put the gun down, not wanting to waste any bullets. I grabbed a chair, adrenaline coursing through me as I swung it at the wall again and again, cracks forming each time I hit it. Each hit was fueled by emotions I had pushed down. This is for the lies, I thought as I swung. This is for the pain, I swung. I paused, panting. This is for Avery. I took a final swing, the glass shattering around me. Throwing the chair away, I ran over the broken glass to Avery. With shaking hands, I took off the mask, throwing it to the side. I put my hand to his face, my entire body shaking. Wake up. Come on, wake up, I whispered, shaking his shoulders slightly. Avery, please. Please wake up, I whispered, feeling a sob starting to creep up in my throat. You, you can't leave me, I whispered, my voice shaking. I need you, Avery. Please, please wake up. Tears started to cloud my vision, which is why I thought the flutter of his eyelids was my mind playing tricks, showing me what I wanted to see. Theo? My body froze, my breath still. His eyes opened slowly, and it wasn't until I saw the dark, navy blue of them that I allowed myself to breathe, a short, relieved breath escaping out of me. I couldn't let myself go through what I was feeling right now. There was no time. Avery, I need you to listen to me. You need to get up. Can you get up? I asked, quickly, my eyes glancing over him. Uh, I, I think so. Theo, what is going? Do you trust me? I asked suddenly, the irony not being lost on me. Avery didn't hesitate before he nodded. Then please, questions later. We need to go. Avery gave me a quick, searching look before nodding again. I took his hand, helping him out of the bed, and noticing his wince once he put pressure on his foot. I'm fine, he said, noticing my look. Lead the way, he said softly. It was then I realized that I had his full unwavering trust. I felt a surge of admiration for him. I nodded, walking a few paces and picking up the gun that I had set down. I noticed Avery was limping on his injured foot. Without a word, I crossed over to him, sliding an arm under his arm so that he could put some weight on me. Thanks, he said quietly. I nodded. Of course. The sirens didn't stop as we pushed our way out the door. Muffled yells and voices were coming from behind us. We have to hurry, I said, Avery picking up on the unease in my voice, and tried to walk as fast as he could on his foot. Is there an exit? He said, wincing, as we half ran down the halls. There is. I think I saw one around here. I said looking around and to my relief saw one of those glowing red signs for an emergency exit at the end of the hallway we were in. There. Come on, I said, hearing the voices getting louder. We were only a few hundred feet away. We could make it. Loud cracks suddenly filled the air as I realized the people behind us were starting to shoot, bullets ricocheting off the walls. I had a feeling that as soon as we got to the exit, they wouldn't be able to follow. We ducked our heads as we tried to zigzag down the hall. Fleetingly, I turned my head back to look at the people who were shooting. I wanted to look away instantly. I wasn't sure if you could call them people. They were in all black, their limbs too long, too thin. 
masks and helmets covering each one's head. Another crack sounded and I felt Avery slip out from under me as he screamed. It only took me a second to realize what happened. Avery! Avery, no! I yelled, turning around to see five people in all black coming towards us, and more far behind them. I held up the gun, praying that there were enough bullets as I fired off rounds, watching the same sparks appear as they did with the old man. Avery was on the ground, clutching his leg and groaning. I tried to pull the trigger again, but the gun clicked empty. Avery heard the gun click empty. Phew. Go. There's too many. The door's right there. Just go. I can't move. He said, groaning. His hands painted red with blood. My heartbeat thundered in my ears. No. No. In your own words, Avery. Screw that. There's no way in hell I'm leaving you here. I said forcefully. Despite the pain, I could have sworn I saw a flicker of a smile on Avery's face. Give me your arm, I said hurriedly. Glancing up, seeing more of those things start to turn the corner. Panic seized me as I grabbed Avery's arm as I started to pull him towards the door. Only a few feet away, we could make it. More of those things in the black were now jumping over the bodies of the ones that I shot. I turned around reaching for the door handle as the things raised their guns. With a final yank, I pulled Avery towards me just as I opened the door, pulling us both through the doors that slammed closed. I felt myself land hard on a rocky surface, but I wasn't paying attention. My eyes were on the door, which now looked like a wooden board against a rundown building. A second passed, then a few more. No one came out. Looking around frantically, I spotted Avery on the ground next to me, looking like he was going to pass out, blood flowing freely from his leg. I scrambled towards him. No, 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 Avery, I said, my voice shaking as he looked up at me. Theo, he started to say. No, no, don't talk. I'm going to get help. I... Do you hear that? He asked quietly, cutting me off. I paused, listening as I looked around. We were in what looked like an alley... The sounds of cars and people chattering filled my ears. The familiar scent of pizza due to the overabundance of pizza shops filling my nose. My breath caught in my throat. We were home. Babe, come on, we're going to be late. I yelled across the house as I started to button up my shirt, my finger lingering for half a second over the scar that ran across the middle of my stomach before buttoning my shirt up over it. I try not to think much about what happened five years ago. Some of the blanks I filled in for myself, but there were some questions that were best left unanswered. We are not going to be late. Don't be so dramatic. A voice came from around the corner. I turned, smiling at the familiar sight of a tall figure with dark hair. Avery, I swear, you try to make us late every time we go anywhere with my dad. I said, facing back towards the mirror, reaching for another button before I felt someone's hand there instead. Avery turned me towards him, starting to do my buttons up himself. That's crazy, and even if I was, I would be justified in doing so. Your dad scares me, he said with a small smile, his fingers brushing lightly against my skin as he continued to do up the buttons. That's ridiculous, you've known him for five years, I said, rolling my eyes to distract from the fact that even after five years, his touch still made my heartbeat feel like it was going to escape out of my chest. Still scary. Also, why do your parents have to fly down every year for your birthday? He mumbled. 
because they couldn't fathom the fact that we moved so far away. Also, I like seeing you get dressed up, which you only do if they're around, I say, a smile tugging on the corner of my lips. Avery paused for a moment before bringing his eyes up to meet mine. Yeah, he said quietly, smiling enough that I could see his dimples. I swallowed. Yeah, I said back, smiling as he finished doing up my buttons. I put my arms around him. I'll remind you that our anniversary is next week, which is celebrated without any family members if it makes you feel better, I said, my finger absentmindedly running over his shoulder. I'd still like to debate about when exactly our anniversary should be. Is it the day we got married, or the day when you realized life was just a hollow shell unless you knew my heart was beating somewhere nearby? He said with a teasing smile. I couldn't help but match his smile as I rolled my eyes. Whatever you want. Although that would make our anniversary the same day as my birthday, which means we'd celebrate it with my parents, I said, moving my hands up across his shoulders to his chest. Mmm, definitely not. I wouldn't want to give you your anniversary present in front of your parents, he said grinning. I smacked him lightly on the chest. My hand slid into his hair, pulling him down for a kiss, holding it for a moment to let myself enjoy the familiar shot of warmth that came with it before pulling away. Come on, we don't want to be late. I can't help but remember thinking at that moment how perfectly beautiful life was, despite all that we had gone through. In that moment, life was perfect. Life was without issue. Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com.